0: Well, good morning, Arbor. Good morning. That was peaceful, wasn't it? <laughs> Did you feel like rested and relaxed? How many of you are excited to be here this morning? Woo-hoo! Awesome. Awesome. How many of you are excited that football starts this weekend? Woo-hoo! That was a little bit louder than the first one. <laughs> Not a good start, okay? I'm excited. My Bears uh, play the San Francisco 49ers today. That is Brian Cobley's favorite team. He is excited, and I know how excited he is to watch that game later this afternoon, but I'm not sure how exciting it will be as I provide updates on the score throughout my message. No, no, no. It's currently 10 to zero. I won't tell you who's, who's, uh, who's winning, but. I will not do that to you, Brian. I would not do that to you. And it's a great day to be a Seahawks fan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yes! <laughs> the dis, no, 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 zero chance of disappointment today, right? <laughs> that comes tomorrow, that comes tomorrow, right? Um, I just hope that you are so thoroughly encouraged by our time together today that you can withstand any amount of disappointment tomorrow, okay? That's my hope, that's my prayer for this morning. I wanna start today with a quote a quote that you uh, may have heard before and that sadly uh, many of us may have resonated with at one point or another at time. It's a quote by a famous French writer and philosopher. His name's Jean-Paul Sartre and it's found at the end of his play, No Exit, where he writes this, hell is other people. Hell, is other people, and I am just so glad that I didn't get an amen there, all right? I was half, exp- did I get one over there? Okay, we did get one, all right. This is not starting well this morning, folks. You're cheering louder for football. We're amening hell as other people, but listen, without diving into the, the, the plot and the context of this exact quote, um, what, what, what the author was trying to illustrate here through this work, was the difficulty that, that we have with existing with other people, how hard that can be, or as one commentator on this play wrote, the fact that others, other people, their, their gaze, their, their presence, is what alienates and locks me into a particular kind of being, which in turn deprives me of my freedom. That's a bleak and cynical outlook about other people, isn't it? But but can we just be honest with one another right now? We've all felt this before, right? <laughs> We've all felt this. Some of you are like, yeah, have you been to Costco on a Sunday afternoon? <laughs> That's hell, right? And there's so many other people there, and maybe we felt it trapped on the highway on 405 or on nine in the midst of rush hour traffic, maybe in dealing with the difficult situation with a family member or a friend or even someone at church, not this church, of course, but another church (laughs) in our past, right? Right? However, I think that while this quote captures some aspect of our reality and our existence, I believe it leaves us without one key thing, Yes, other people can be difficult. And yes, other people can be hard. And I'm sure that you've gone through some sort of hellish situation with other people, or maybe even people in this church. But I believe that this quote leaves us without one key thing, and that is hope. It leaves us without hope, hope that can move us to a place of belief that while life with other people can be extremely difficult, life together as a community, as the body of Jesus Christ is worth it and it's worth fighting for. I believe with all my heart, even after the last few difficult years that we've had, I believe that we are ultimately better together. We are better together, and over the next three weeks in this series that we're calling Better Together, our aim as a church is, is, is to uh, strengthen our collective conviction all of us together, to to believe in our heart of hearts that we are truly better together, that we as a body would step into this new season with excitement and with energy and with the fresh expectation that the spirit of God is going to move through other people, the people in front of you, the people behind you, the people around you. In fact, just take a brief moment and look around this room right now go ahead, turn your heads, look around this room, okay? These are the people God is going to use in your life. And you might be like, even that guy over there? (laughs) Yeah, 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 even him, even him. John Ortberg, a writer and pastor, he writes this, that God uses people to form people. That is why what happens between you and another person is never merely human to human interaction. The Spirit longs to be powerfully at work in every encounter, isn't that good? And so if we want to become the people that God wants us to become, if we want to live into the abundant life that Jesus would have for us, then we need each other. Life isn't better lived in isolation, life is better together. Life is better together. But this just doesn't magically happen. It requires that we take a step of faith and a step of obedience into a new and better and yet sometimes challenging way of living. And for some of us, these steps are going to look different but my hope is that as a church, during this season, over the next three weeks, we would begin to take some steps together and live life together. And and today's step is this, that we would serve together that we would serve together. In other words, we are better together when we serve together. And again, if if you've been around church uh, for any length of time, as, as Michael said, it's fall, and we're talking about service, and you're probably like, okay, this is the message where the pastor asks me to serve, okay? And if that's where you're at right now, listen, you're not wrong. That's, that's gonna happen, that's <laughs> definitely. But listen, don't, don't tune out, don't check out just now because I, listen, I understand that some of you in this room have been burnt out by that and you felt used by that and listen, I get that. I get that churches and pastors have placed their needs for their church above serving the church. I get that, but, but listen, here's what I also get. I get that Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I get that he modeled and embodied true and perfect service to others. And listen, he calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. Like if you were to open your Bibles up to John 13, in that that chapter, you'll find this really interesting, strange scene going on. It's like at night and there's this dinner going on and Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, but it's the night before he's about to be tortured and murdered by people that he loved dearly. And on this night, he's hanging out with his disciples and he does this really strange thing with them. He washes his closest followers' feet And I'm sure you've heard this story before when Jesus does this, and back then people wore sandals, the roads were dirty, animals roamed the grounds, and obviously their feet were tremendously nasty. This task in someone's home would have been reserved for the lowest of the low. And yet here we have Jesus, someone his followers called Rabbi, Lord, washing their feet. Why would he do this? Why? I think Jesus knew how strange this would be to his disciples as he's washing their feet. And so he says to them in verse 12, he says, do you understand what I have done for you? And they'd all be like, no, (laughs) we don't. We don't get what's happening here. And then he goes on and he says, you call me teacher and Lord, You, you respect me, you honor me, you know my position, you do so correctly, for this is what I am. And then listen to what he says. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You too ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you this example, and you should do just as I have done for you. I tell you the solemn truth, the slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent as a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so I know Michael said that there were tables out there, but, but, but while we were singing, we had some volunteers set up some chairs and some buckets of water and some soap and some towels. And, and, and we're going to go out there right now and we're going to spend the rest of this service washing each other's feet, okay? I'm just kidding. We're not doing that, all right? <laughs> some of you were like, I knew we shouldn't have come today. I knew the air quality was bad and it was a sign from the Lord and we should have stayed home. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to wash each other's feet. That's not happening. But what... If that's not what Jesus is exactly communicating here, then then what what is he saying? If he's not saying that every single week we need to literally wash each other's feet, then, then then what's he getting at here? And I think the heart of what Jesus is getting at here is that regardless of our status, regardless of how old we are, regardless of how much money we make or the people we know or the jobs that we have, Jesus calls us to serve one another. That's, that's, that's his call on our lives, that we would serve one another. And Jesus didn't just teach this, he didn't just preach this, he practiced this. He did this, he modeled this. And as followers of his way, he calls us to do, to, to do the same. He calls us to humble ourselves and serve one another. And one of my favorite verses, my favorite verse in that section of Jesus kind of talking there, and this might be a little selfish, is verse 17. Verse 17 again where he says, "If you understand these things, you will be blessed by you will be blessed if you do them." If you understand these things, what is he talking about here? He's talking about the call on our life as followers of Jesus Christ to humble ourselves and serve others, but not just if we get it mentally and understand it, but what? Not just if we understand it, but if we what? If we do it, if we do these things, if we practically take the step of humbling ourselves and serving others, then what? Then what? We'll be blessed. That's a promise from Jesus that we will be blessed if we do these things. You know what it means to be blessed? It means to have the favor of God upon your life. It means to have supernatural contentment and joy and peace and Jesus is saying, if you do these things, this will flood your life and I I think God has woven that into the fabric of our DNA as human beings, as image bearers of God. Like I was reading some studies about serving people, and I think you might find some of these interesting. There was a study done in 2005, uh, published in the International Journal of Behavioral Medicine, and it found that serving others in both big ways and small not only feels good for us, but it's it's like just simply good for us as, as people. The study found that serving others increases happiness, it increases contentment, and it lowers feelings of depression. That's cool, isn't it? right another study in 2017 published in the personality and social psychology bulletin said that serving others by helping them specifically navigate difficult or stressful circumstances and seasons in their lives it actually increases our own ability to manage stressful circumstances that we go through resulting in lower levels of anxiety and depression that's kind of cool too isn't it another study I love this one as well this is kind of a tangent Um, said that there are an increasing amount of fMRI studies that suggest a link between generosity with our time and our money and and, and happiness like for for example did you know that donating money to a charitable organization activates the same regions of your brain that respond to monetary rewards and sex did you know that now you do there you go (laughs) and if that's not a good enough reason to be generous then I don't know what is Um, those, those studies are interesting, and, and I, I bring them up not to convince you to serve others, but just to show a small sliver uh, of god 's common grace in everyone 's life well, like these studies weren 't just done on Christians; these studies were done on all people and, and so, so if god 's common grace um, is is that effective in everyone 's life that, that by serving others we can all experience a benefit, how much more? Would we, as followers of Jesus, who have been uniquely equipped and gifted by God's spirit, experience his blessing and be able to bless other people? How much more? Like like so much more. And so I wanna, ex- I wanna spend the second half of our time exploring this idea of how God has called us to step in to our unique and individual giftings and experience his blessing, not just individually, but, but collectively, corporately as a whole. And so if you have your Bibles and you wanna follow along, you can open up to 1 Corinthians. That's where we're gonna be for the rest of this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 27. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he writes this. He starts by saying this in this chapter where we're picking up. He says, for in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. And if the foot says, since I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. And if the ear says, since I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. So here's the first thing I want us to see in this passage. At Arbor, everyone has a unique part. At Arbor, everyone has a unique part. Paul, he's, he's writing this letter to this kind of chaotic and confused Corinthian church, and, and they're, they're sort of new followers of Jesus. And in this part of the letter, he, he's, he's writing to correct their worship services. Their worship services were chaotic, and there was this particular group of people that had elevated a certain gift uh, above others and diminished the other gifts. Like, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the coffee team. I love the coffee team, right? like like that is an amazing team here at arbor where would we be on sunday mornings without coffee right actually let's give it up for the coffee team real quick thank you coffee i i love the but but in 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 the church in corinth it wasn't the coffee team actually um it was they had elevated this gift of tongues And, and some some people had this wonderful gift and they had elevated this gift above all the other gifts to the point where they were diminishing the others And so in the first 11 verses of chapter 12, Paul kind of clinically and methodically walks through and he he explains why there is not a hierarchy of gifts. And he says so because they all come from, from, from the same God. And since all of our gifts come from, he says, one spirit, They all have equal value and blessing for the body of Christ. And then in the verses that we just read, Paul begins to add some color to this argument by by leaning into this metaphor for what we are as a church, he calls us a body. And if you look throughout the New Testament, out of all the metaphors that are used to explain the, the, the church, a bride, a home, a, a temple, a family, the body is, is by far the most used metaphor. It's a tremendously important metaphor. And so he emphasizes a point in verse 14 that he already made in the first 11 verses. He says, for in fact, the body is not a single um, member, but, but, but many. And so listen, this is really important. In essence, not everyone, and it's kind of obvious, but he says not everyone who is a part of the body is the same. Not everyone who's part of a local church has the exact same role and responsibility. Okay, hold that for a second, right? And then he does this kind of funny thing, right? He starts to like personify some of the body parts. He like gives them like little faces and... You know, you just imagine, like, I don't know, I, I picture it this way, right? He has, like, a little foot come up and speak. And you can just imagine, like, this foot's kind of sad, right? It comes up and it says, since I'm not a hand, uh, uh, I'm not part of the body, right? Isn't <laughs> that kind of funny? Like, little foot come, but then it gets even sadder, right? Because then this little tiny ear comes up, and, and the ear says, since, since, I'm not, since I'm not an eye, I, I'm, I'm not part of the body, and, and, and I just can't help but read those statements and feel really bad for them, right? <laughs> I feel really sad for these body parts that feel left out. But, but here's the thing that makes me even more sad. When real people, loved and gifted by God, feel like they're not a part of a local church because the church refuses to use their gifting or their role or their responsibility. Or even worse, when their unique roles or giftings or responsibility are neglected and diminished as less than others. And listen, if that's ever been your story, I'm sorry. And if that's ever been your story here at Arbor, then, then, then I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I believe, I believe that if you are here and you sense the spirit of God calling you to this local church, then you have a unique part to play in this body. You do, each and every one of you, you have a unique part to play in this church. A unique part that's just as needed as any other part. And I know I celebrated the coffee team just a moment ago, but we have so many different teams and opportunities and ways for you to plug in and use your gifting and serve. And again, I believe that the way you will serve this local body is going to be unique to your gifting and your personality. And you might be wondering, like, well what is my unique part? And and to that I'd ask you a few questions to prayerfully consider. Just prayerfully consider these questions in your season of life. What's something that excites you? What's that thing or those things that when you put your hand to, they stir your heart up? What are you good at? What are you good at? What comes natural to you? And there's a, there's a handful of different ways here at Arbor where, 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 we, where we can um, serve God with those unique giftings. Like maybe you're a unique, uh, uniquely like encouraging, welcoming person and you see new people and you've been a new person before and you know how strange it is to walk into a new group of people and you wanna make them feel at home. Join our hospitality team. Welcome people. Maybe you're like a technical person and and you like kind of like the behind the scenes stuff and learning new things. Join our media and and, and tech team. Or maybe you're like a a planner. Anyone a planner here? You like organizing things and you like things in their place and you like communicating. You can help anywhere at Arbor, okay? (laughs) Your help is welcomed absolutely anywhere here at this church. And that's not to mention all the unique ways that you can step up and serve. Perhaps you've got something else on your mind and on your heart a way that God is calling you to serve in some unique way. Step into that, step into that. Everyone has a unique part. Paul goes on and he writes verse 17. Let's keep going. He says, if the whole body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? And if the whole were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he decided. If they were all the same member, where would the body be? So now there are many members but one body. Here's the next thing I want us to see. Every unique part has a purpose. Every unique part has a purpose. And so, so here's what Paul's doing now. Paul's kind of responding to those sad body parts. And he's like, I, was like, I want to encourage you. I wanna encourage you and correct the lie that has been spoken over you. And he, and he leans further into this body metaphor, right? That's where he's gonna be this whole time. He's gonna be in this body metaphor and he makes the obvious observation that, listen, if the church diminishes any one gift, any unique part in the body, we no longer have an actual body. If we cram every single person into some sort of uniform box, making everyone do the same thing, follow the same path, or if that person doesn't fit in that box and we neglect or cast out or diminish that gifting or that role or that responsibility, then then what are we left with? I'll tell you what we're not left with, an actual functioning, healthy body. We're, We're left with, according to Paul, like a monster. Right, like a giant eyeball. (laughs) Or like a massive ear. Like that's what we would be, and if that's what we're left with, listen, we're limited in what we can do. We're limited. If we're just an eyeball, how can we hear? If we're just an ear, how can we smell? Listen, this is why you are so important to the local church, each and every one of you. It's why you are so Absolutely important, because not only do you have a unique part, but but you play a unique and important purpose for this place, for this church, a purpose that only you can fulfill. And without every single person stepping up into their unique part, fulfilling their purpose, we miss out on experiencing the blessing that God has for us as a church. And listen, I'm not saying these things to like gas you up and pump you up and make you feel special. I'm saying these things because this is the way God designed it. Like this is, this is according to his creation, Paul in verse 18, look there again. He says this, he says, but, a ma- but as a matter of fact, like almost like, guys, you gotta catch this out. Like this is, this, is, this is awesome, but as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as, he de- just as he decided. Like what Paul's saying here, church, is that God is so wise and God is so powerful that he's able to position us all in our unique stages of life and in our unique giftings and our unique talents and abilities so that when we step up and step into the unique part that God has called us to play, and we follow Jesus' example to to serve others and humble ourselves, that when we do that, we become the body God designed us to become. Isn't that awesome? And this idea, this principle, It doesn't just apply to the church in Corinth that Paul's writing to. And it's not some kind of like grand scale like big C capital church, the church throughout the world or the church throughout time. This applies to us, Arbor. God is wise enough and he is powerful enough and listen, he is good enough and he loves this church enough to bring this unique group of people together to fulfill his purposes. To fulfill his purposes in your life individually to fulfill his purposes in our church, and to fulfill his purposes in our community around us. you know, I I believe, listen, with all my heart, that something really powerful and really special happens when the right people are in the right place at the right time. I believe that. And I don't believe that's just some sort of coincidence. I don't believe that's some sort of once in a lifetime opportunity. Listen, the right people are whoever God has gathered together. we, We are the right people here, right now. And the right place is whenever those people gather underneath a single common purpose, like people helping people find and follow Jesus. And when we gather together, with that right, the right people in the right place, the right time is whenever we choose to step in and humble ourselves and serve one another. And I believe that when we do that, God will do awesome things. He says that he will bless us. We have to have the faith to take him up on that promise that when we embrace our unique part and fulfill our purpose as we serve together, we will see God move in power. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 21. Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Nor in turn can the head say to the foot, 'I I do not need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. And those members we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity But our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser members so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. If if one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. And if a member is honored, all rejoice with it. And so here's the last thing I want us to see, church, at Arbor. Every unique and purposed part is essential. Every unique and purposed part in the local church is absolutely essential. And so Paul, he continues to personify these body parts, right? He continues to lean into this body metaphor. But instead of, of, of body parts to be pitied, um, we've, we've got like these bully body parts, right? Like they're mean, they're mean. And they're saying to other body parts, like I, I don't need you. Like the eye is disowning the hand and the head is disowning the foot. And the thought here is that the more elevated positions of the body hold the belief that they don't need the seemingly less important positions in the body. But Paul flips this on its head. He turns this upside down and he says this, and this is so important for us just to kind of sit with for a second. He says, the unique parts of the body that seem unimportant are actually essential. They're essential. That's the word he uses. They're needed. The body can't live without them. And so hear this. Again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been uniquely equipped by the Spirit of God with gifts. Gifts to be used for the benefit of others. And if you call Arbor home, then by God's design, he wants you to join in with the work that he's doing here because the purpose, listen, the purpose that your unique part serves is essential. Do you understand that? We need you. We need you. And listen, you need others, we need each other the way we serve one another with our unique gifts and talents is essential for the health of this church we need each other in fact if you were to look at verses 14 through 27 this is what Paul's overarching idea is is that the church is an interdependent one it is to be unified not uniform and that we're all the same but unified in our diversity unified in our unique giftings, unified in our unique purposes and callings in the church to make disciples, to help other people find and follow Jesus. You know, Oftentimes in the cultures around us, what's valued is, 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 is the individual. What's valued is self-reliance, but not in the culture of the body of Jesus Christ. We are God-reliant first, and we are others-reliant second. That's what we're called to do. We need each other. Every unique and purposed part is essential. No one is so important and so gifted and so talented and so other that they can just kind of fly solo. You, you can't be a Christian and fly solo. You can't. I mean, you, oh, here I'll correct that. You can't be a Christian and fly solo and remain healthy. You need others. And no one is so high and above other people where they can disregard others and no one is so low that they are they are dispensable, that we can disregard them. We are better together. We are better together when we serve together. Um, is it time for a Bear's San Francisco 49ers update right now? I just felt that no. You see? 17/7. Um, uh, what I want to do now is I, just, I, I want to take a quick moment. And um, speak to anyone in the room that's feeling weary, feeling exhausted, feeling tired. And maybe you, you, you've come into church and you are in a season of life right now of transition. Uh, maybe a season of crisis. Um, you have a new job, you moved, you have a house full of young kids, Um, maybe there are health issues, maybe you're coming out of a church situation or a season where you feel burnt out and you're listening to all of this and you're like, yes, I get it, we're better together and I wanna serve together and I wanna jump in and use my unique gifts, but you have to understand I've got nothing left in the tank. I have to imagine that there are a few of you here in the room that are in that spot today. And, And what I'd say to you, just my little pastoral word to you today, would be, listen, it's okay, I I get it. I, I absolutely, totally understand that. Listen to this quote from Thomas Merton. He's a monk and a writer, a theologian from the 20th century. He writes this, the fact that our works are done in the service of God is not enough by itself to prevent us, listen, from losing our interior life if we let them, that is our works for God, devour all our time and all our strength. Work is good and necessary, but too much of it renders the soul insensitive to spiritual values. It hardens the heart against prayer and divine things. It requires serious effort and courageous sacrifice to resist this hardening of heart. So if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling weary, if you're in a season of exhaustion, listen, it's, it's okay. Take this season to rest. Like would, would Arbor be a place, an oasis for your soul during this season? And would you come here and would you just be fed? Would, would you be able to, to find restoration and rejuvenation and Lord willing in, in the months, I don't know, maybe it'll take years, but hopefully just months where you'll find it be restored and you'll be able to unleash your unique gifting and bless our socks off? Like that's my hope, but if you're in that spot where you're like, I've got nothing left in the tank, understand, it's, it's okay. Would this be a place where you can just get healing and, and restoration? But I also wanna to talk to anyone who's feeling weary, but you're weary because you've been waiting. Weary because you've been waiting. And I think those two are different, okay? You know, over the past couple of years, I think it makes sense. You know, there have been, there's been a lot, right? There's been a lot. Uh, and, and in many ways, we haven't been able to serve God in the unique ways that we've been called to. And I get that we've had to press pause on some of that for those of you who are waiting, you know how, waiting's the worst, right? (laughs) No one likes waiting and and waiting just has this way of sapping your energy, but listen, it's there if we were to step into what God would have for us. And for those who are weary because we're waiting, my prayer and my hope for you is that God would be be pulling at your heart right now and that you would take this moment to to be obedient to him and and, and step into and step up into your unique calling here at Arbor, That, that this would be the time where you would begin to move forward out of that season of waiting into God's purposes for you here at this local church. Because listen, you are essential here. You are essential. And as Michael said, there are tables set up today to like you know, uh, help us understand where we can plug in and where we can serve and what teams we can join, but we're gonna end today's service different than we have in a long time. We're not going to sing songs at the end of the service, okay? When I'm done, I'm gonna pray here in just a minute, and, and here's what we're gonna do, okay? We're gonna get up, and we're gonna head into that lobby, and we're gonna eat donuts, and listen, if you have Arbor kids, or kids in Arbor kids, you can leave them there, all right? <laughs> Not forever. But for like the next 15 or 20 or 25 minutes, you can leave them in there and we can connect and hang out and we can explore some opportunities to serve together here at Arbor. Now again, listen, if, if this is your first time here at the church or if you're weary or you're exhausted, join us to hang out and connect. No pressure in joining one of our service teams. We'd love to just spend time with you. But again, if God's calling and he's pulling at your heart to join one of those teams, then now is the time. Now is the time to, to, to get up, to step into what God would have for us moving forward. And, and again, if not, would we just enjoy that time together with other people? I, I, I don't think you'll find them to be hellish as they're often you know thought to be. Hopefully, hopefully what we experience in the next 15, 20, 25 minutes is just a small taste of heaven. And I don't mean just the donuts. I mean like (laughs) life together with one another. So let's pray, and then we can head over there. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to, um, to follow you and to serve others like you have served. And so Jesus, right now, would you give us the strength and the power to be obedient, to step into that calling, to serve you, God, we pray that as we serve one another, as we do what you have done, Lord, that, that you would bless us, that you would bless us with contentment and peace and joy as we put other need, others' needs before our own, God, that is what we pray. And Lord, for those who are weary and those who are exhausted and those who are tired, God, I pray that they would find Arbor to be a place where they can have their souls refreshed and restored and they can feel like part of this family, part of this body, God. We thank you for uniquely gifting us and I pray, God, that in the months to come we would be so blessed as we are blessed by other people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right, let's go ahead and get up and head out to the lobby.